As Eckhart Tolle said, boredom, anger, sadness, or fear are not yours, not personal. They are conditions of the human mind. They come and go. Nothing that comes and goes is you. Join Sue Jackson every Tuesday at 10 a.m. for Finding Human, a look at the wonder that is the human mind, right here on 101.9 High FM. Hello, this is Sue Jackson on Finding Human, and my special guest today is Rabbi Ron Hendler from the Beit Chana Shul at 51 Northfield Avenue, Glen Hazel. Our topic is forgiveness in an unforgiving world. Rabbi Ron is actually, I count him as a friend of mine. His wife, Wendy, is a very good friend of mine. And through the years, I have got to know Rabbi Ron well, and I respect him as a person and love him as a friend. Um, Tell me, Rabbi Ron, we were talking in our sukkah about forgiveness in an unforgiving world. Tell me how that topic came up. In the sukkah. <laughs> okay, well, um, a f- few days earlier, as we know, it was Yom Kippur. And a few days before that was uh, the Shabbat, Shabbat Shuva, which is, you know, between Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur. And uh, I happened to glance at a magazine on my daughter's desk. She's an industrial psychologist. And the magazine is a copy of the, one of the Harvard Business Review volumes. And I was paging through it because, you know, isn't that the thing you would expect to do on Shabbos between Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur? You know, (laughs) look at the Harvard Business Review. That's what I was doing. And uh, I think it was divine providence. But um, I came across a a remarkable article on, um, you know, forgiveness and the way that the workplace and business deals with mistakes and wrongdoing. And there seemed to be a strong tendency for the scapegoat. Tell me about the scapegoat. Well, we all know the scapegoat on Yom Kippur. Tell, tell uh, for everybody to hear and also just to remind well, me. Well, in, in biblical times, in, in the times of the, of the Beit Hamidash, the temple, so there was a very um, powerful ceremony where the Kohen chooses, he drew, draws lots and uh, there are two goats, and one goes into the temple to become part of the sacrifice for Yom Kippur, and one is taken over the mountain to Azazel and is pushed off the mountain. And that's really this idea that all of your sins get transferred onto the goat, uh, with apologies to the SPCA, and uh, we, uh, we then somehow go through a cleansing ceremony where we can let go of all of the sins that we've done, there is divine forgiveness. And uh, what was fascinating to me is that uh, there was this one study done of this large company, and there was an intrusion into their database, and an enormous amount of data was stolen. Right? This is very, very current, this uh, issue. And uh, the board sat down, and they evaluated the situation, and they said to the CEO – someone's got to go, right? We've got to get rid of somebody. And he begged and he pleaded and he said, you know, I'm prepared to go. I'd rather go than chase out my staff because they're good people and they've done no bad. And sometimes you get events which are beyond you. And their answer was absolute. 
someone's got to pay the price. We've got to be seen to throw somebody out so that we can regain our credibility. There's no other way to go. Mm. And mm. it was a very, very um, harsh response and very unforgiving. And the thing is, though, is that many would argue very unproductive, very destructive and very unproductive. And, and very demotivating. Yes, yes. And I think that those people who have made a study of this whole issue in the business world, I'm not an expert in the business world, absolutely not. I like to see myself, I'm a student of human nature and of the uh, analysis of what a human being is according to the words of the Torah and our sages. But um, if you read the literature and you see the arguments, there is no question that um, if you're going to approach um, the business world, and, and, and I've heard many say this forgiveness stuff, tshuva, vidui, mechila, for all the stuff, right? keep it between you and God. But we're in the real world, you know. Mm, mm. We haven't got time for this kind of thing. Wow. And um, I think that if you read the more um, sophisticated, the more advanced literature on the whole issue, there's no question that if you can apply forgiveness in the business world, you will actually have a better business. And uh, it's important that we understand where it comes from, what it's about, and uh, there's no question as well that often the way we play out our lives in our personal lives is what we reflect in, in our business lives as well. And so really we're talking about human beings. Okay. We're, just, we're not really talking about business, but it was really uh, fascinating to me that um, there was – there's this very strong movement still in the world today where midatadin applies – where you've got to pay for your mistakes, someone's got to walk the gangplank, as they say, and uh, we've got to be seen to be getting rid of the person, and that person, we, we transfer all the sins of the company onto that individual, and now all is forgiven and we can go further. Mm. Unfortunately, that actually impacts on all the employees who, who aren't even involved in this particular conflict. So it, it goes through this, the, what would you call it, the strata of the entire um, company then doesn't it this this is a sense of wow i'm uh, i better be careful i'm going to be judged and and not forgiven and i'm going to be the scapegoat uh, and not only that but so that leads to fear and cover-ups and uh you know deception uh, uh, deception sure. mm. and uh maybe not uh not productive no creativity there's all kinds of 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 destructive behavior and you're certainly not going to uh, get the maximum benefit from 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 your staff, and uh, in fact, um, that the, it creates like a whole culture. It's a whole culture of ducking and diving, and evading responsibility, and you know, telling lies to cover up and 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 so on. And uh, of course, that cannot be a healthy environment in which people w want to work. This article, by the way, went so far as to say that. The really um, advanced thinking is that it's not even important how many degrees a person has. It's not important how well qualified they are. They would suggest that it's much more important for the future of a company if people are resilient and they can make mistakes and they can rise up from their mistakes and they can go further. And um, it's 
you know, it makes a lot of sense. Imagine, I was actually just thinking this morning, imagine like a, the simplest thing that happens to us when we were a child. Imagine like a child gets on a bicycle and he tries to drive the bicycle and he falls off the bicycle and he scrapes himself. So his father said, that's it. You can't ride a, you can't ride a bicycle. You know, you're, mm. <laughs> you're, you're useless, you know. Mm. So that's it. He'll never try anything again. His adventure, his risk taking, his future is extremely limited. And stifled. Yes. Absolutely stifled. Yes. And the scapegoating, you know, as you were saying, as you were talking about it, I was thinking how it, it works from minorities, even against minorities. So, uh, or, uh, people turning on each other in order to try and blame the other. I was thinking, uh, funny enough, in our country of xenophobia. How, uh, people turn on each other. In order to to scapegoat them when they themselves are feeling that they are being punished in whatever way, lack of work or lack of jobs or whatever. From talk to music, from Johannesburg to Israel, from sport to business, this is 101.9 High FM. Hello, this is Sue Jackson on Finding Human. Now, Rabbi Ron Hendler's shul is the Beit Chana, and I'm sure you're very busy with your Shabbos project uh, Going ahead uh, Absolutely We're actually um, Handing our shul Over to the youth and Wonderful It's going to be A youth Shabbos You know So we're very excited About that So you'll be able To enjoy it too Absolutely <laughs> <laughs> Right Let's just go back To forgiveness I just wanted to tell you Something that Benjamin Franklin One of the founding fathers Of the United States Said The best thing You can give your enemies Is forgiveness To an opponent Tolerance To a friend Your heart to your child, a good example. To a father, deference. To your mother, conduct to make her proud. To yourself, respect. To all others, charity, which I suppose we would call tikkun olam. What do you think about that quote, Rabbi Ron? So maybe for a moment I'd like to comment on what is underneath the difficulty that people find to forgive. Why mm-hmm. is it so difficult? And um, you hear this over and over again, how people, an I- I- incident happens, and suddenly the family is split, and they don't talk for the next 20 years. It's a, it's quite a common thing. Absolutely. And you it's must a, see it. It's a devastating idea that uh, it is so um, prevalent in, in, in our community. And you wonder why is it? What what does it come from? So, first of all, just to understand, I think this is very helpful to understand that there are two ways that God governs the world. That's what our tradition teaches. The one is called Midat Adin, which means that it's strict justice. And if you do something wrong, you have to pay. Right? You've got to be punished. And the other one, of course, is... Rachamim, compassion, and going beyond the law, the strict law. And when God creates the world, he looks at it and he says, well, you know, it's in a very um, idealistic way that everybody lives on a very high level and anything they do wrong, there's got to be a retribution, but it's really unsustainable, not for human beings, Hmm. maybe for angels, maybe for exceptional individuals who want to put themselves on that test, but... For mankind in general, we need forgiveness and compassion. So he introduces the idea of rachamim, forgiveness, and so on into the world. It's such an important idea that the rabbis 
make the following um, comment. It's, it's, it's almost like impossible to really like relate to it. But they say the following. They say the, the Jewish people came into existence at Mount Sinai. Then 40 days later, they built the golden calf. And the final consequence of that is Yom Kippur. And they asked the question, couldn't have God helped them? He could have protected them. Why the golden calf? Why? They're on such a high level, such a idealistic beginning. This is like going back to the Garden of Eden before the, uh, before the sin of, the, of Adam and Eve, Adam and Chava. And they, and they say, like, it's almost like Hashem wanted them to fail so that he could show them forgiveness. That he could model forgiveness for them. Hmm, that's interesting. And that's an incredible, incredible idea. He almost set them up to show them that you cannot live in a perfect world and you cannot be so idealistic that you're never going to make any mistakes. And you need to know how to respond to that. You need to know how you're going to live with mistakes. That's more important than living with perfection Hmm. because almost no one can live with perfection. Everyone needs to live with mistakes. And in that, actually, it takes away a lot of self-punishment, doesn't it? Absolutely. And um, uh, when we see that God can forgive, uh, you know, uh, idolatry is really one of the big, you know, that's one of the really big no-nos in, in Judaism. You know, that's like the number two of the Ten Commandments, and, it, and it's, it's really something which is uh, horrendous in the eyes of the Torah. And yet Yom Kippur came about because of, uh, because of the golden calf. And God gives them the second tablets and he forgives them and they start all over again. And the whole idea of Yom Kippur is that we need to walk and model ourselves, you know, in the ways of God. And Yom Kippur is the Day of Atonement. So where does the forgiveness come in there? Does, is it from us asking as a Jewish perspective or, or fasting? Where does it come in? Because Yom Kippur is also a day of fasting and... Well, um, there's a remarkable idea that uh, the rabbis say, the Rambam Maimonides brings it down from the Talmud, and that is that Yom Kippur is so powerful that it atones for many of the things we do wrong, even without asking for forgiveness. Just by going through Yom Kippur, just by being in in the day and and, and fasting, it's like uh, going into like a mikveh, uh, you know, immersing yourself in that. Um, that uh, that phenomena of, of of forgiveness, so that really is um, a remarkable thing. But the rabbis say there is something uh, quite important, and that is that um, God does judge us according to the way we deal with other people. So it's like a shadow, you know, when you put your hand up and and the shadow follows your hand. Mm-hmm. So there's an expression in the Book of Psalms that says, "Hashem tzilecha, Hashem is your shadow; He shadows you." So actually, amazingly enough, he looks to you to decide how he will actually carry out that forgiveness. So if he sees you um, are easy and you can let things go and you can be forgiving to other people, and I'm not talking about where they come and ask. I'm not talking about that at all. That's got, we have to realize that forgiveness doesn't depend on a person coming and groveling and, and, and begging for forgiveness. That is an important aspect as well. But your job as a person who has been uh, hurt or harmed is to find it in your heart to forgive because you would like God to forgive you. So do you believe that for, uh, uh, for forgiveness is a practice 
that can become a habit. So there's a, a fantastic quote that I have over here, which I found. Mm-hmm. Um, unfortunately, I can't quote the person. Um, uh, but let me just read you a couple of lines over here. Uh, and this lady put the following. She said, forgiveness is a lifetime aim. Right? Mm-hmm. She said that came from somebody who spent most of her life blaming, regretting, holding grudges, and so on. And now she says... That when you ultimately get to that level of forgiveness, you come back to life. You can go through your life singing because you've released yourself from the chains, um, from life's lessons, from the chains of love, from people you've got here. And he said it is really, in a way, a godly thing to forgive. Mm -hmm. Because there is that part of us that is so hurt when people insult us or offend us or whatever it is, uh, the ego struggles to maintain its equilibrium when, when it is harmed. And that's really, I think, is, is why people hold on to these grudges, because they are fragile and maybe they are weak. And it takes great strength. It takes greatness to actually forgive. It takes God, God-like quality to forgive, but we actually all are capable of it. It's wonderful. We're going to be listening to Rabbi uh, Sitna Svi uh, Sitna, who on on Yom Kippur, Day of Atonement and Forgiveness. It's very short, but I would like your comments on it afterwards. You may you may SMS us on three four five one nine or WhatsApp us on zero six one eight nine five one zero one nine. It's Yom Kippur, a time of forgiveness. A time to regret and forget who we used to be and to commit to who we will become. Yeah, it's called tshuva and it works for sins between man and God. But for pain that you've caused others, only those hurt can forgive you. Yeah, it's Yom Kippur. A time to ask forgiveness and a time to grant forgiveness. But Rabbi, you have no idea what they did to me. You're right. I don't know. But here's what I do know. I know how painful it is to forgive. But I also know how painful it is not to. I know how hard it is to let go, but I also know how hard it is to hold on. Your parents may have made you who you are, but it is your choice to stay that way. Your loved ones may have torn a hole in your heart, but it is up to you to stop the bleeding. Your best friend may have stabbed you in the back, but it is your choice to take that knife out. I know how painful it is to forgive, but there is room for forgiveness. Rabbi Jonathan Sachs once said, Forgiveness doesn't mean forgetting, nor does it mean abandoning the claims of justice. It does mean, however, an acknowledgement that the past is past and must not be allowed to cast its shadow over the future. He also said, 
Forgiveness is the only way to live with the past without being held prisoner by the past. Oprah Winfrey, who was so badly abused as a child, once said, true forgiveness is when you can say, thank you for that experience. The Rambam says, don't refuse to forgive. Rather, forgive with a complete heart and a willing spirit. To those who cause pain, it's not about how we made the mistakes, but how we correct them that defines us. Feel the pain that you cause and ask real forgiveness. And to those of us in pain, let today be the day that you stop being haunted by the ghost of yesterday and forgive. The best part of your day. At the heart of your community. All the talk. All the music. All the news. Hi FM. Right, Rabbi Ron, what did you think about that YouTube? What was it that stuck out there for you? Well, very beautiful words and uh, beautifully delivered. And um, perhaps just to um, take that idea of living in the past and holding on to that past. And there's a wonderful um, exercise which I learned to do at a course which was run by the More to Life organization. I think many people in this town are aware of it. But they said the following. There's a thing called the cost process. It's everything that we do in our lives, we work out, are we prepared to pay the price? Is it worth it? So you might go to a a World Cup uh, soccer game, prepare to pay thousands of rands because those moments are precious and it's – Amazing moments, and it's, there's so much that goes into it. And if you're a soccer fan, uh, you say, but it's just a couple of guys walking around and kicking a ball, and I'm paying. Are you crazy? Well, you tell that to a soccer fan, he, he, he's very happy to pay that money. It's money well spent. So the thing is like this, is that what we have to ask ourselves, this is the cost process, is when we hold on to a grudge or a hurt, and it's very important to add the rabbi was talking about your best friend stabbing you in the back and you know so on. We need to say here that very often people have what's called justifiable resentment. Mm. Someone's really done wrong to yes. you. They've hurt you, they've upset, insulted, stolen, whatever it is. They've they've done really bad. And really on a certain level, they deserve, you know, that's what we want. We want justice. We want, you know, some kind of retribution. Not revenge, but how can they just do whatever they do and, and get away with it? And that's what hurts us so much. But what we do then is that we we set ourselves up with this resentment and we pay a price. What is the cost of that? It can ruin many other relationships because if you're not talking to A, then what about A's wife and A's children and A's parents and A's friends? Mm-hmm. Well, suddenly you can't go to a party where A is and you can't walk down the aisle at the hypermarket where A is because you don't want to see them. You know, it, you, you actually limit your life. You actually become a prisoner of your resentment. And then we could go much further. We could uh, talk about what it does to your health. You know, guys lying awake at night upset and churning over and over. He can't sleep. 
the, the, the guilty part, he's probably having a great time. He's, mm. he's sleeping. Mm. But you can't take it. You're lying and you're going over and over and over and over. You can't let it go. So it affects you physically it and affects, emotionally. It affects your health. It affects your relationships. In a way, you actually die a little bit holding on to those uh, resentments. And somebody said it very beautifully. Again, I don't know who, who we have to credit this, but they said it like this. When you are holding on to resentment, it is like swallowing poison and hoping the other guy's going to die. Absolutely. He, he's not going to die. <laughs> you know? you, he's going to take the poison, not you. you know? And so the, the thing is, even though that resentment will give us a certain like holding on for that justice, when's it going to come? And when are we going to find retribution? And when are they going to beg us for forgiveness, etc.? Whatever we're holding on for, it's not worth it because you actually pay too big a price. And also I think you become a victim then to that pain, don't you? Because you're giving it so much energy that that is the price, that you are becoming a victim to it. And you begin to see slights and in everybody else as well. You know, you begin to be suspicious of the world around you. Um, I've seen that in many people. And, uh, I mean, I'm sure you and I can both – Sight occasions when we've seen it in ourselves even, you know, that we've got to stop and say, I'm not condoning this behavior at all, but at the same time, I'm not, not going to allow it to affect me and destroy me physically yeah. or emotionally. Yeah. And, you know, I, I think as well is that this, this um, sense of, of justice that we want, you know, and this um, sense that, that somehow the wrong has been paid for, you know, that's that's we don't have to worry about that. Everybody has to pay ultimately in the larger picture for what they've done wrong. We're not in charge of it. You know, so the, it's an amazing thing that uh, we we have um, in in the pasha this week. We have, if I can just borrow, you know, I'm a rabbi. I've got to borrow mm. from the pasha so a little bit. The you know? pasha, the portion so, this week. Yes, it says the pasha of Ayera talks about uh, you know a lot and the cities of Sodom when they were overta- overturned because they were so cruel that they they made uh, kindness actually illegal, and uh, eventually God just destroys the the cities of Sodom and Lot and his two daughters they escape, and the angel says you are not permitted. To look behind you. Mm. Why not? He says, because you have no right to watch this terrible retribution. You're not that innocent yourself. Mm. You're not such a great person that you've got the right to watch this terrible retribution that is being meted out on on the cities of Sodom. Mm. So that idea that we have to see, that we have to know that that person, you know, got his just rewards, he got his punishment, whatever. It's not necessary. We are not God. We don't even have a right to that. All we need to know, and I think that's why, you know, faith and belief is so important over here. It's axiomatic in our faith and belief that there is an ultimate divine justice. It is axiomatic that ultimately all bad, which is really bad, which is really evil, will be paid for. Mm. It's not, we don't have to worry about that. I think sometimes when you're going through the pain and the hurt yourself, it's very hard to actually think that far ahead. You know, you want retribution now. I see an SMS has come through. It says, thank you, Rav Hendler. You, you, your words are comforting and uplifting and a reminder of Hashem's supreme control of the world. 
That's nice, Rabbi Ron. You know what Mahatma Gandhi said? If I can just quote him for a moment. He says, an eye for an eye will only make the whole world blind. Yeah, actually, um, You're going to tell me Talmud, it's from a, the Talmud. The, no, well, no, that's a, that's a verse from the Torah. But the Talmud actually <laughs> gives the answer. He says an eye for an eye doesn't mean an eye for an eye. An eye for an eye means that you've got to pay compensation. In other words, you've got to take responsibility. In, in other words, if you injured somebody, pay them for it. You know, it's not it's not about vengeance. It's about trying to fix up, trying to improve the situation. For us, that's really um, all it's about. But when it comes to this idea of forgiveness, all you're trying to do is fix yourself. Mm-hmm. You're not trying mm-hmm. to fix the other person. You're just trying to fix yourself because if you can get that resentment out of you, it's like, you know, anyone who's had a, who's uh, eaten bad food, you know, and has had food poisoning, you know what, how terrible pain, that pain is, you know, there's nothing that describes food poisoning. If you can get that out of your system, you literally are reborn. You become a new person. So it's removing those toxins that are actually eating you up inside. Yes, yes. And, you know, I've seen it in, in families where I've worked with, it's very difficult to sometimes believe that, say, three children from the same family actually have the same parents. Unless you know that they come from the same family, you wouldn't believe it because each child's story is totally different. And, you know, so within a family, you can see who has perhaps been victimized or feels like a victim, who feels superior to the others. Uh, you know, it's very interesting to see that everyone's pers- perspective Perception, sorry, on on their family is totally different. Yeah. We've seen people, actually, it's a very heartbreaking thing to say, but you see people that literally on the deathbed and they're not talking. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, imagine a person going to their death not having made peace. Um, and, you know, and I remember um, hearing a, a one, one lady saying what was really beautiful about when her mother died. Her mother died, unfortunately, um, you know, from from tragic circumstances, but she said there was no unfinished business. Mm. The business was finished. We all had made peace with each other. We all lived in peace with each other every single day of our lives. Wow. And that's a very beautiful thing. That's something to, yes. to work towards, yeah. isn't and, it? And I think there are many people who, who they do really every every day of their lives before they go to bed, they really do try and make peace. They really do try and mm. forgive. Mm. But it, sometimes you've got to go over and over it. And, you know, people think, you know, Rabbi, he's like invincible. He's just like this. Somebody once said, like, uh, um, he saw me going home. He says, but don't you live in the shul, you know? <laughs> so, like, we are these, like, you know, this is like, this is the mountain of Sinai, you know, Mount Sinai, the perfect Jew, you know. We're not human. We do. We suffer a lot of pain, a lot of hurt, a lot of disappointment, etc. And And that we all have in common with everybody. All mm. humans have that in common. What sets us apart, we can choose, is how we're going to respond to that pain. And uh, if you can, I must say I have, I, I can vividly see before me now, sometimes on Yom Kippur and sometimes just before Yom Kippur, that I've really taken something that's hurt me deeply and I've worked on it and I've really just let it go and and just, um, you know, t- taken that person and honored that person uh, most of the time when people do wrong, it is not a deliberate act of evil, even though, unfortunately, there is plenty of that around. But most of the time, our anger and upset uh, is things that happened. Somebody didn't wake up in the day and say, let me try and hurt you. Let me try and, and, and get into your heart and destroy you. They didn't do that. 
They don't understand the consequences of what they are doing mm. or they thought that they were doing good. That's what most people are doing. And if we can just give the benefit of the doubt, if we can just see it from their point of view, if we can just think about um, what it's doing to us and how beautiful our lives are if we can let go of, of that you know, underlying resentment, um, I think it's a no-brainer. You know, you're going to come out and say, I've got to forgive. There's nothing to talk mm-hmm. about, you know. But as you say, it is a choice. You know, the Greeks, the, the Greek translation of forgiveness is to let go. So I think that's very much what you're saying. It's actually to let go of those slights. Obviously, when they're a lot greater, it's a different story. But what Forgiveness does not mean, and I've got it here, is condoning the offense. Absolutely not. Absolutely. Pretending that the offense never happened. So in other words, you can forgive, but you don't have to forget. Allowing others to take advantage of you. So sometimes you can um, – this, this one says loan money to someone, but he wastes it and then can't repay you as promised, which is he says he's sorry and apologizes, and you could choose to forgive him or not. Or you could harbor resentment. So it's it's not allowing others to take advantage of you. But once again, that's your choice. Pardoning with no valid basis. So I think that's a big one. It says um, um, that in Proverbs it says, God does not forgive people who are guilty of willful malicious sin and who refuse to acknowledge their mistakes, change their ways, and apologize to those whom they have hurt. Is that true? Well, I think that, uh, you know, if you um – sort of look at what's going on in politics and you read the newspapers in South Africa today, it's very, very rare that anybody actually takes responsibility. Mm. So that is a big thing. That's It's a separate thing because, you know, you've got two sides of the coin. You've got me who who wants to forgive because it's good for me. It's good for me not to be a resentment. But as you say, there's the other side, and that's what's going on in the mind of the person who did it. Do they take responsibility? Do they even accept that they've done something wrong and that they need to do something about it? And so for us, all part of the Yom Kippur process and the forgiveness process, etc., is the guilty party actually saying those terrible words, you know, aviti, pashati, I sinned, I did wrong, I shouldn't have done it, I don't know what I was doing, it was completely wrong. We almost never hear that in, in South Africa, in our society. And that is perhaps... And it's not only South Africa. You know, again, I was, I was reading another article on, on, on the business world, and they quoted, I think it was the head of the FBI. So it's United States head of the FBI. That's a very senior position. And the following comment was made. I don't remember the context, but the following comment was made. A mistake occurred. Not I, the head of the FBI, take responsibility. Mm. A mistake occurred. And the people love it in this country. They love to say it happened. You it's know, passing the buck. Yeah, isn't something it? something happened. You know, mm. it was just you know. Uh, there's, I think that is that is really what does really frustrate people in this country, and that is that nobody takes responsibility. And you'll say to yourself, uh, well. You know, if I take responsibility, you know, like we just had this minister, Nanny, you know, he, he sort of took half responsibility. You know, he, he openly admitted things which he knew were going to be very bad for him. You know, well, he had to walk after that. Okay. Mm-hmm. But maybe that's different because you've got public officials, you've got people who are responsible for millions of lives with huge budgets, etc. There you do need a very, very high standard. But um, I was reading about this lady who runs a hedge fund in, in the United States. 
And she was saying that, you know, sometimes the things go terribly wrong. Sometimes your investments and your whole strategy of dealing with other people's money, and they, they, they specialize in family trusts. So you're looking after people's pension money. You're looking after old people. You're looking after the future of, of millions of people. And she said when they've done something really wrong and it's, and it's, and it's really caused like some financial loss in the short run, She's actually gone to the clients and she's told them straight out, she says, exactly what happened. And she has said, this is ours. We have to take responsibility for it. And she says she's never lost a customer yet. Is that so? Because so of isn't taking that, responsibility. Very counterintuitive that, you know. Mm, absolutely. Stay relevant and up to date. This is 101.9 High FM. Hello, this is Sue Jackson on Finding Human. My guest today is Rabbi Ron Hendler, and we've been discussing forgiveness in an unforgiving world. You can SMS us on 34519, or you can WhatsApp us on 061-895-1019. You know, Rabbi Ron, I was just thinking as you were talking, first of all, about that woman. I mean, you know, you're giving your, your money and all... Um, trust to someone but then you'll also look at south africa and how we scapegoat many people we put people into cultural religious ethnic gender brackets worldwide actually and we blame an entire group and that is scapegoating a group isn't it yes it is Uh, unfortunately i think that what happens is that uh, from a psychological point of view what's happening there is that um, when you see other people perhaps um, succeeding where you can't or where they seem to be getting ahead and it, it brings out maybe your weaknesses or your inabilities to do things and therefore the only way you can really manage that is by um, finding fault with them and it's something which actually goes all the way back to the time of the Bible you know, you've got, uh, for example, um, Yitzchak. He's the second, you know, he's the son of Abraham. And Yitzchak is living and he's really being very successful and powerful and really doing well. And one day they turn around and they say to him, or Yaakov had exactly the same experience actually. And uh, the hosts say to him, you know, where do you think you got all this wealth from? You know, this is our stuff. You know, you stole it from us, you know. And they chased him out the country. And that, in fact, is very much Jewish history of the last hundreds of years, you know, of um, having to face terribly difficult conditions, becoming successful, becoming uh, financially uh, ahead of, of maybe many of the people around, and then being forced out of the country because it's much easier to point the finger at other people than to face your own inadequacies absolutely but at the same time i think we've got to be very careful of uh, of um forgiving every perceived slight you know so i think for instance we can so easily say they're anti-semitic when instead of looking at ourselves you know what what or they're anti-black or they're anti-american or whatever it might be you know um so I think we've got to also look at ourselves and say, is it a true slight? Is it a truth in that's actually being said to us that we need to work on the forgiveness? Or are we becoming so oversensitive that we're taking everything on? Yes, I think that um, I agree with you 100%. And uh, 
now it gets a little bit dangerous because, you know, people say, can you criticize Israel and not be anti-Israel? Mm. Uh, I think you absolutely can. And, uh, you know, I mean, uh, half the population in Israel is criticizing the government every single day. That's the and, democracy and, of yeah, Israel. And no one says that they're <laughs> anti-Semitic or anti-Israel. So I think it's the context within which it is said. Mm. And uh, if the person's real intention, which is not always apparent, you know, the intention is to use you know, Israel or the Jews in order to express anti-Semitism and they just look for ways to clothe it in a very respectable way. You know, it's very respectable to be anti-Israel today. So it can be used as a as a very nice uh, anti-Semitic thing. And it's probably quite difficult to sometimes, you know, find that, 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 that distinction. That fine line. Uh, that, that fine line, yes. And that's what I'm saying. What is really going on in the hearts of those people? Mm. And I think that, um, yes, we should also be careful, you know, not to uh, judge and, you know, say that, uh, you know, every single thing that every single person says is like, a, is like a hatred against us. Unfortunately, we as the Jewish people, we have quite a history, you know. A persecution, and unfortunately, there has been, uh, you know, you could say there's like a huge amount of anti-Semitism that has uh, manifested itself, uh, you know, in our generation and continues to do itself. You know, and if you look at what's going on in England with the Labour Party over there, uh, there's so many examples. So you, you can get a little bit paranoid sometimes. You know, mm. it is understandable. So I think that um, uh, what, what a person has to do is that, they've, that, that you can't always judge exactly what's going on in the heart of a person. And you, it's not necessary really to judge them. You just have to be uh, – we have this expression, actually, the, the rabbis say, kabdehu v'chashdehu. You can honor a person, but you you do tend to be a little bit realistic and say, "I have to watch out because you don't know what's what's mm. really coming." It is it is quite a rough world out there, mm. and many times there, there there is stuff that that is directed to in in a negative way against us. So you actually have to also be very aware that it sometimes it is necessary to protect yourself so that you don't get stabbed in the back. Or, you know, whoever yeah, you are trying yeah. to protect doesn't get stabbed yeah. in the back. And, in fact, there's a beautiful story, you know, to, like, take it on to, like, a more personal level now. Um, they tell a story about the Chofetz Chaim, and, and uh, you know, he was once um, interviewing somebody. He wanted a, um, a recommendation for a job. This goes back about a 100 and something years ago. And he says, look, I don't think that you fit for the job. I, I can't give you that recommendation. I just don't feel I can do it. And uh, the guy started shouting at him and cursing him and all kinds of things. And, uh, you know, he got up and he walked out. So it was interesting that um, uh, the, um, the students around him, they said, how come you never shouted at him? You never, you never rebuked him, you know. He said, well, you know, he's very upset and he's desperate for a job. And uh, he's just, you know, he, he's he's out of control because of his sadness and upset that he that I wouldn't help him, and I understand that. So then they say to him, "But then why did you get up and walk out?" He says, "I don't have to stand there and take the insults, you know." <laughs> so you know, it's it's that it's fine that balance. balance. It's, it's that it's that sort of that well balanced person mm. that he knows who he is, and it's not necessary to subject yourself to that, uh, you know, abuse. being a doormat mm. to, to abuse. But nevertheless, he had enough compassion to understand that a person's going through like a lot of pain and he is in a desperate situation. And, and, and you know, so he's, he's able to manage both of those emotions uh, um, simultaneously. And I think that's exactly what you 
said, you know, when you see a person who who, who refuses to forgive sometimes, that's the hardest thing of all. Mm-hmm. Um, they are not capable of forgiveness. That's what we have to realize. And that almost you have to have compassion for them, that they live with the hell that they've created for themselves. Mm-hmm. And so, it is a hell. Absolutely. You know, and you can see it in people. I, I, I remember once many, many years ago going to a, a funeral and it was someone who hadn't spoken to his uh, family for years and years and years. And at the funeral, he sobbed and sobbed and sobbed at the graveside. And it was just, it was such a waste of tears, you know, tears that could have cleansed the entire family before if only there had been enough courage on all sides to actually face what there was to forgive yeah, and um, yeah. and to discuss it. And, and I think that's often where forgiveness does come in and where the blocks do occur. We need to sit and discuss with our families what is it that you're feeling that you're hurt about or with our communities, with our friends. And that takes courage, doesn't it? Well, um, you know, that's amazing that you say that because um, it's probably the most difficult thing of all to confront the person who's hurt you. Um, uh, the Torah says you should rebuke a person. What does it mean to rebuke a person? One of the meanings is that you should say to him, you've hurt me, you've upset me. You don't have to attack them. You don't have to belittle them. Mm. But you need to share honestly the fact that they've actually hurt you. That takes enormous strength. Because you know what the answer to that is? Ah, you've got such a fragile ego or, you know, you can't take a, like a joke. You know, they make, li- they make little of it. They, they mm. try and belittle your, your response. So people don't like to expose themselves. But it takes a strong person, a courageous person to expose themselves. And uh, like to see how powerful that is, again, one, one more biblical example over here mm. is Yehuda. Yehuda, who is the, one of the, the sons of Yaakov. And he has a whole thing with uh, Tamar, and now she's pregnant with twins, and it's actually from him. And he orders that she's going to be killed because, uh, you know, he believes that she's uh, committed some kind of an adultery or an immoral relationship. And then she sends him the stick and the, the, the cloak and the ring, and he realizes that he's the guy. He's the one who impregnated her. And now he has this choice. He's... Maybe uh, a great person, he's a leader, he's got a reputation, and now this this nobody, right, who's Tamar, she's going to embarrass him and shame him. And she says, I'm not going to say a word. And he says, she is the righteous one, I'm wrong. For that act, which is really an act of greatness, his children become the kings of Israel. Mm, Amazing. So, So that's really what kingship is, royalty is is to have that strength, the greatest strength in the world, is to actually take responsibility and tell the truth. Tell the truth about yourself that, that so many people are frightened to do. Wonderful. Absolutely amazing. A frequency like no other. 101.9 High FM. There's a no hello. This is Sue Jackson on Finding Human. My guest today is Rabbi Ron Hendler. And another uh, message has come through Rabbi Ron. It says, beautiful, insightful words. Thanks, Sue and Rabbi Ron. Forgiving others is usually far easier than forgiving oneself. Very difficult to let go of self-recrimination. What thoughts? And, you know, on that, I would like to say it's a very interesting question because forgiving ourselves to become an effective forgiver of other people, 
We have to start by forgiving ourselves. And that is perhaps the hardest thing, especially, I think, as a parent, perhaps as a spouse, uh, as a child, you know, a grown-up child. There's so often that feeling of of what did I do wrong? You know, we, we, we do hold on to our own pain of not forgiving ourselves. What is your idea of that? So I think that um, it's about um, having a realistic view of what a human being is. A human being is a um, created from the dust of the earth, as we say, and yet his head is in the stars, right? And um, we are part of this world. We have many, many um, infirmities. We have many, many um, frailties and failings and so on. And we have many um, strengths and greatnesses. So we're really like a cholent, you know. You've got the potatoes and the meat. So, so the cholent is we're a mixture. We're a mixture of good and bad. We're a mixture of greatness and mistakes and failures, etc. A we, cholent is like a poiki course. Yes, mm. yes. <laughs> but if we can recognize that in ourselves, that we don't have to be perfect. And I think that's maybe the greatest mistake that parents make that sometimes they do demand perfection from the child. They say, yeah, you only got 90%, you know, you're capable of 100, you know, and it's it's unforgiving. Um, We can only encourage people to reach for greatness, and that's the same for ourselves. So we demanding that perfection. It's a very deep thing, this demanding perfection, because it's Mm -hmm. the soul. It's the soul calling out and demanding perfection. But at the same time, there is the body part of us, which is very imperfect, which is, you know, the, the human part of us. So if we can be realistic about who we are in this world and we can accept the imperfections and we can love ourselves, I think it's about loving yourself oh, as well. I think well, so too. You know, to look in the mirror when you wake up in the morning and say it's, – it's a thing that I, I – in my younger years, my more emotional years, I used to actually cry when I thought about this. There's an expression that the rabbis say that if you were the only human being in the world, the world would have been worthwhile to have been created just for you. Isn't that beautiful? Literally the only person. you the, you the Adam, you know? Wow. And if you can really, really believe that, um, you know, then you love yourself. And if you love yourself, you can forgive yourself because forgiveness must come from love. And you're right, and whoever wrote that in is 100% right. And once you can love yourself and forgive yourself, then you can model it on others as well. Beautiful. And on those words and on the strength that it actually takes to forgive ourselves and forgive others, we need to end now. And, um, you know, I thank you so much, Rabbi Ron. There's a lot more to be said, but our time is running out and we're, we're having to end. Next week, um, I actually just wanted to tell everybody who's been asking for the Recycle Rap song from last week's program that it has been put on uh, on the podcast, so it's there. And thank you so much for all the feedback from last week. We have got more uh, SMSs now. Unfortunately, we are running out of time. We can't answer them, but thank you so much for actually getting back to us. Do you want to end with saying something, Rabbi Ron? I would just like to say that if you could write that word down, forgiveness. Every, everybody's listening to this. Just write that word down and look at it a couple of times a day. And look at the power in that and hold on to it and, and cherish it and grow it within yourself whenever you can. You will become remarkable. You already are remarkable, I'm sure. You will become a re- more remarkable and a great human being, a greater human being. Thank, Thank you. Thank you so much. That's beautiful to end. Thank you, Rabbi Ron.